0: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
1: It's the one and only Voice of the Hawks.
0: Being the optimist that I am always about the Hawks, is that if they make it in they can do some damage.
1: Welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution, brought to you by Emory Healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host Sarah Spencer, Hawksbeat reporter for the AJC. And today's special guest is Steve Holman, who is the play-by-play radio voice of the Atlanta Hawks, which you can hear in Atlanta on 929 The Game. And this is such a cool thing. Steve has called 2,802 consecutive games. Actually, 2,803 at the time when this will actually come out. We are recording this Wednesday afternoon right before the Hawks play in Milwaukee. Um, So an amazing, just an amazing milestone for Steve. And he's just got, he's got, I mean, as you guys can imagine, he's got some awesome stories to share over his time um calling games and being you know the Hawks radio guy it's just crazy and he he's awesome I love Steve and I think you guys are gonna really get a kick out of our chat so without further ado let's bring in Steve Holman
0: Steve thank you so much for talking
1: with me today I'm so excited
0: oh it's my pleasure I've been looking forward to it
1: uh me too me too um So, okay, going into tonight's game, we're recording this before the Hawks play in Milwaukee. Um, I think both of us are probably pretty familiar with Milwaukee at this point. I feel like I have my (laughs) Milwaukee routine down (laughs) because of the playoffs last year. Um, So after tonight, after that Milwaukee game, you will have called 2,803 consecutive games. And my question to you is, how do you do that? How how have you done that?
0: Well, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, you show up for work every day, really. And uh, it's a kind of a work ethic thing I got from my dad, who uh, was a draftsman, and he, he never really enjoyed his job, but he showed up every day. And he kind of taught me to make sure I show up to work every day. And I love what I do. So it makes it easy. And, uh, you know, there have been some times, uh, you know, I probably... Uh, should have missed a game or so when I was had a little bit of a, a laryngitis or a little bit of the flu. I guess nowadays they would they'd kick you out and say you've got uh, COVID positive or something. So you know the streak might have been right. in jeopardy back in those days if we had COVID back then. But uh, it's it's just one of those things. I count. I don't count preseason. I only count the regular season and the playoffs because I don't I don't know about preseason games really, so I don't count those. Uh, but it's just one of those things that show up every night. and I look forward to the every game. every game is like a brand new game for me. No matter what our record is, it's certainly a lot more fun to to win uh, than it is to lose. But right. uh, even through the even through the tough times when we had a thirteen win season, I think the the way to look at it is every night it's everybody's zero zero. you know, you can't look at it and say, oh, gee, we're you know uh, six and forty two or whatever. You know, if you looked at it that way, You'd bang your head against the wall every night, so you just start a new game, uh, just like zero zero.
1: Have there been times when, because I know for you it's just you know your day to day, but I do think when people hear that they're just like, how how is that possible? Because there are a lot of times when you, like you said, you get sick or you have a conflict or something like that. I do think it takes a lot of dedication, although it feels very normal to you. Have there been times when the streak was was almost broken or you almost you know had something you know happen where you couldn't? Well, uh, there, I don't know, it's you know, just there, an impressive number to get to.
0: Well, there have been a few things. I mean, back when we used to travel commercial, sometimes the weather would be a little dicey, you know, to trying to get in uh, for a game. Yeah. But since we've charted, since we charted uh, you know, that's not a problem because if, if they're not there, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll be there with them. So uh, if they don't make it, we all don't make it. So uh, there have been times, though, right. uh, over the years. So then the, the Hawks
1: years, aren't but, even playing. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. But there have been some times, you know, um, uh, four years ago when, uh, when, when Steve Jr. passed, you know, he, he, he died in, uh, January. Um, uh, and, uh, I, I think I did a game the night he was in hospice and I went over to the hospice and stayed with him. And, uh, and then the very next night we had a game and uh, that streak was uh, as important to him as it was to me. So I, I know he would have wanted me to uh, go ahead and do the game. So I did the game the next night and, I mean, that was hard. That was a hard thing to do because they did a little tribute video for him and, uh, you know, he had been a ball boy. and So it was tough. It was uh, it was a hard night. And then uh, we kind of worked around the, the day of his funeral. Uh, I had to get up at 6.30 in the morning, go, uh, you know, we went to the funeral and uh, then there was a reception. Uh, Tony and Jamie put out a full reception for all of his buddies. Uh, so that was nice that, um, that they did that. And then we had a game that night too. So... Uh, it was a long day, but it was uh, it was one of those things where, like I say, he would have wanted me to do it. So and that's probably as close as I've come to, you know, to not doing it. I think I probably wouldn't have, other than I I knew it was very important to him. So uh, I went ahead and did it.
1: Holy cow! Wow. Yeah. But it sounds like your it sounds like the streak is important not just to you, but the, your whole family. And I know a lot of people who. You know who care about you and who support you. Like it, it's a cool thing for them too. It sounds like it's kind of a whole family thing that they're that they're invested.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and you know the the Hawks family too has kind of uh, jumped all in on it too. And you know, I really hadn't thought about it. Uh, I think somebody I can't remember who told me when we were, when I was getting close to a thousand, uh, they said, you know, you ought to count those games. You you ought to, you might be getting close to a thousand. So then we started to figure it out. And when we hit two thousand, I think it was. Uh, Steve Hummer did a story and he went back and researched a lot of the games and uh, the playoff games and not surprising. He figured out I, didn't, I don't have a winning record <laughs> over the years. Well, you, uh, but it's I think
1: you personally, you personally have a winning record, Steve. The Hawks, I don't know about that. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that's how the streak thing started. And, you know, now that it's over 2,800, I, I I really start to think about, you know, I got a ball for 1,000. I got a ball uh, for 2,000 and, God willing, I'll have a ball for three thousand because I have three grandkids, and each one of them can get one of those. Uh, That'll be something for them to keep. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I think I've got a shot at the Chick Hearn record, which is 33 something. Uh, So I'm kind of closing in on that right now. And he was 86 uh, when he stopped, so I'm only 68. So I mean, I feel like I feel like I can do it. I'm in good. You got time. I'm in good shape. I mean, I I I I walk 6.2 miles every day. The 10k uh, to try to stay in shape. And as I always say, I'm 68, trying to be 69 now.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. This is motivating to me. I'm feeling like, like I got to start working out. Like this is clearly <laughs> the key to longevity. I got to start.
0: <laughs> yeah, Walking oh 6.2 miles in, so, and bourbon. Bourbon is another secret to, uh,
1: <laughs> Bourbon. To, to the oh yes. man. I don't like bourbon. Is there another, does it have to be a dark liquor?
0: <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, I have a preference to Maker's Mark. So I'm
1: gonna uh, I'm gonna tell myself red wine with the antioxidants. That's that's yeah. what's gonna be my secret maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. um, I have a question. It, just how have you seen the the team and the franchise evolve? Which I know. I mean, that's probably. There's so many different directions that you could take that. But what's your biggest takeaway of how you've seen this team and franchise evolve?
0: Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, we've had the ups and downs in, uh, in the mid-80s. When I started 85-86 season, you know, we had a team that I, I thought was very similar to what, what we have now. A young uh, athletic group that featured, you know, Dominique Wilkins, uh, Cliff Livingston, Doc Rivers, uh, John Battle, uh, Randy Whitman. All those guys, they were young and upcoming Uh, And it was kind of like our team now uh, a couple of years ago, very athletic. Of course, they made that uh, series with Larry Bird, the 88 uh, famous seven game series that uh, the the, the Hawks took them to the seventh. And then there was that famous duel between Dominique and Larry that ended up in that game seven. So we had a chance, I thought, to win in game six. The Hawks won in game five in Boston, which nobody expected them to do. They took a 3-2 lead, came back to the Omni. And uh, it was crazy. That was a crazy night at the Omni. And Danny Ainge, I remember, started the game just over half court, hit a three. And uh, that was the start of, you know, what would be a uh, a great game. And it came right down to the wire. Dominique was supposed to get the last shot, but Cliff Levingston uh, somehow ended up with the ball and, and took a left-handed shot that didn't go in. And, uh, you know, Dominique will talk to you about that uh, as long as you can listen to him about that every time it comes up now.
1: <laughs> how, did, how does last season's run... So this is my third year covering the team. Right. And when I was writing about that run last year to the Eastern Conference Finals, I feel like that it really did feel like it kind of revitalized the franchise a little bit. It it just it it's just the energy, the energy that was the buzz in the city about it. And obviously, Trey, you know, plays that way. What was your takeaway from from last year?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It was kind of a, uh, it was a a season that, you know, started off, as we know, you know, poorly. Uh, They made the coaching change. Nate took over. uh, And then all of a sudden, the ball started to roll a little bit. And I thought, well, this is going to be great that they can make the playoffs because it'll give them some experience uh that they can you know use down the down the road uh and then all of a sudden they win that first round against the Knicks then they get into the second round and I said gee this is great they're going to get the experience of a, a second round against a top team like Philadelphia and then all of a sudden uh they end up uh, going to game seven in that series and it was in Philadelphia and then I thought well this is great they're going to get a game seven under their belt they're going to have <laughs> that experience to take right. you know carry forward And then, you know, lo and behold, Kevin Herter has the night of his life, and and they win game seven, and all of a sudden, you know, here we are in Milwaukee uh, in the Eastern Finals. So, uh, and I think, you know, if if Trey didn't step on Sean Wright, the referee's foot, I mean, who knows what would have happened in that series. You know, they could very well have uh, gone into the finals.
1: Is it even possible, when you've done this for, you know, the amount of time that you have, is it even possible to have, to be able to say – okay, this is the craziest thing I've seen happen. Or like, okay, this was my favorite game that I've called.
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard to pick out, you know, one or two. But what I always tell people is that the, the reason you want to go to a game is that there's always something that's going to happen that you don't expect every night. I mean, it used to be I would tell people, go, come see Dominique because he's going to do one thing every night at least that you'll say, boy, I'm glad I was here to see that. Uh, like he would get re- mm-hmm. offensive rebounds come flying in from the sky and, and – and dunk uh as part of his game and uh and and now it's like uh, to me it's like the best reality show ever is sports uh you know in our games because you just never know what's going to happen uh, you know the other night there's a 1.6 seconds left and there's both chances for each team to win at the free throw line you know the, the, there was a foul bogey committed a foul then all of a sudden they they fouled and uh you know each team had a chance to win um uh, so it's it's those are crazy things that happen. And but over the years, though, I mean, I, a lot of the milestones, like Dominique becoming the all-time Hawks scoring leader, I, I really had a kick out of that, and uh, that seven-game series against the Celtics. Then the the seven-game series in two thousand eight, when the when the Hawks with with Al Horford and Josh Smith and those guys came out right. of nowhere to be uh, the eighth seed, and they took the eventual world champions to a seventh game in Boston. Uh, you know, Mike Bibby made a bold prediction that we would win game seven. It didn't happen, and they, they let him hear about it up there in Boston, but that was a great experience and a great uh, a great run for that team. And now we've got the, this team, which I think, you know, I, I, it's probably the most talented I've been around in 37 seasons. Uh, it's just been kind of a weird season, though, that, uh, you know, they never really got the traction going in the, in this season.
1: This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song.
1: Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It is really what makes all of this possible. And if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. Okay, let's get back to our chat with Steve. You know, it's funny you bring up the game in Detroit because we don't often get to sit next to each other for games, right? But we got to sit, um, and it, well, Annie was between us, but we got to sit like right, right close to each other, um, sitting courtside. Right. You know, an okay game to sit courtside for, not the best for from the Hogs' no. perspective. But um, one thing that stood out to me was just like the the attention to to detail that you have to have in real time to whether it's you or like Bob, because like I get the luxury of I'm not writing everything. I mean, I guess you're doing some stuff, but I'm not writing everything, you know, in real time necessarily. I get to have a few minutes after the game to be like, okay, let me look at this. Let me look back at this. Uh, How do you prepare? for what well, you do?
0: I, I, I make out my own score sheet. Uh, you know, I use the computers, of course, the, the, the stats monitor and the court side on my laptop, And but I keep my own scorecard. It's the same scorecard that I used when I kept score for Johnny Most back when I was uh, just a kid. And I still do it now by hand every day. I, I, I did the Earlier today, I did the the game, uh, got all the stats together, and I find that if I write it all down, I can remember it better, you know, like how many Mm three-pointers guys have and that kind of thing. And I use that, and I can keep track of, like, runs, uh, you know, what was our biggest lead. I write that down on a separate sheet. So I've just gotten used to that, and it keeps me really into the game. And as far as the, you know, the radio's different than TV a little bit because you, you have to Paint the picture, as we say. You know, it's the the theater of the mind, and uh, details very important in that. I feel. I mean, uh, I've I've had a, a, a an analyst a couple of times. You know, Dennis Scott did it for three years with me, and I really don't mind. I I I love having an analyst, but it just as usually hasn't worked out. You know, between the radio station, whatever station we're on, and uh, and the Hawks, and so it works out okay because you really. There's not a lot of time for an analyst on radio. I mean, they've got to be really quick in and mm-hmm. out because I like to say where the ball is, uh, you know, what side of the floor it's on, top of the perimeter. You know, I call it the three-point line, the perimeter because of our perimeter highway, uh, you know, two eighty-five in Atlanta. Uh, so I like to say where the ball is, uh, who's guarding who, because people are listening, and I know they're not, they're not listening to the game for two and a half hours too. I I I got over that a long time ago because people I they they listen in and out. And they're going to the grocery store. They're going to drop their kids off at, you know, football practice, basketball practice. They're in and out of the car. So it's very important to give the score in time. You know, every basket is very important to do that. Because sometimes if I listen to football games or, or baseball games or even basketball games, and they don't give the score, I mean, that's why you listen. That's why you turn it on in the car to, to find out what the game, what's happening with the game. So I'm kind of a stickler for that, too.
1: How do you also make people feel like they're there? Because I feel like there's a little bit of science to it, but it, it's also got to be a little art too, right?
0: Yeah, I think I try to be like the eyes of the fan. You know, I try to be a fan talking mm-hmm. about what, what fans are listening for. And, you know, if I, if I see something that they haven't done right, I'll say so. And, you know, it'd be just like if I was sitting in the stands, you know, talking to the person next to me. So I do it that way. I mean, I'm, I'm enthusiastically a homer. I, I admit that. And that's one of the things I learned from Johnny Most, who was my mentor up in Boston. You know, I taught, he taught me how to do the games. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of a – I like to try to be conversational, you know, do the play-by-play the right way, but also uh, be kind of the – I think of a of, of TV, like Bob and Deke and, and me, we're all – I think we're like the bridge between the team and, and fans. I mean, we're the, we're the, the link between the two, like we're the, we can talk to the guys just like the fans would want to. And we can tell, I I saw so-and-so in the elevator the other day. And he said, you know, this and it, and people love that. You know, they like to hear stuff like that.
1: Just like the casual conversation that you're able to have with the guys being around the team. And then, that casual conversation, you're just able to kind of develop relationships, you know, with the, with the guys yep. and, and stuff. Well, like That's why it was so hard last
0: year, you know, not traveling, yeah, uh, you know, not being on the plane and not being in the hotel and uh, and doing all the games from State Farm Arena. I mean, we had new guys come in last year that I never, I, I never met, uh, you know, I only met them through Zoom. And, uh, you know, that was a, that was weird. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, Meet, like, for instance, Bogey, right? I had talked to him uh, down on the floor. He'd been on the post game or whatever. And uh, I didn't really meet him in person until I started traveling again here in Milwaukee for the Eastern Finals. was the first time I traveled. Yes. And I saw him out at one of our team dinners or whatever it was. And uh, I said, Bogey, hi, I'm Steve. And goes, oh, you're uh, you're radio, right? And he said, you're the radio man. I said, yes, that's right, Bogey. You know? oh, and uh, that's, and that's, how we, that's how we met. And it was in the Eastern Finals.
1: <laughs> it, it had to be, I know for me, I, I just felt the whole last year, the whole last season and the way we weren't able to be around anybody. Um, was it, did it feel stagnant for you too? Like how, how you just, it, it just, for me, I just felt so stagnant.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were. I mean, we did all the games from the control room at State Farm Arena, uh, all the road games. I mean, they made a beautiful setup for us. They had the big team fees. They had the. They piped in the NBA. Piped in the sound. You know, so you heard the basket noises and the squeaking sneakers and and everything else. So I think <laughs> people listening may have you know probably thought we were at the game, and uh, you know uh, some of us announcers would get together on Zoom meetings and things and say, "Look, let's not make this sound too good." when we're in a studio because somebody's going to get the idea that we want to uh, you go know, back. this could be done that way. And uh, so we, we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just so much better to be at the games. I mean, it's really just the, the contact and the, and the feel of the game. And you can see so many things that you can't see on a big TV and uh, it's just so much better to be there in person. And luckily our,
1: Oh gosh. The, you know,
0: the people that are in charge at the Hawks are, are broadcast people you know, Andrew Saltzman, Steve Coda, they have the background in in it and they want us to be traveling. So that's a good thing because some teams still aren't traveling.
1: Yeah, I know. I know from my perspective, it's just like you miss out on so many things, obviously, but how, how can you ever have any kind of like human connection or like relationship building? It's just, and that's such a big part of forget, just forget sports or work. That's such a big part of like life overall. And
0: uh, oh, yes, for me exactly. I,
1: I you know what i mean it, it it's just yeah. it's that's it takes away one of the biggest parts of what right. makes life good
0: yeah no it's great to to be around everybody again and just to see people again too i mean that's the that yes. was one of the things last year that was, I, missed was you, I,
1: missed I missed you, you. steve yes, I,
0: I, I missed you i would see you on zoom all the time and see everybody else on zoom i got so sick of zoom uh by the time that the season ended last year that it was uh it was crazy but um the one thing i think is probably not going to come back though is the uh locker room uh going into the locker room to talk to guys again i have a feeling that may not come back again because it seems like i don't know just the things i hear from you know the commissioner and the way he's talked about it and you know the sanctuary of the locker room and that kind of thing but to me that was where a lot of the good stories happened was in the locker room before the game or after the game and you know you could Pull somebody aside and talk to them instead of, you know, in a group setting like they do now in the the interview room. And uh, I hope it comes back, but I that's one of those things. I don't know if it's ever gonna the locker room thing will ever come back again.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I I, cer- I certainly hope it does. The there's so there's so many reasons I, I could talk for a while about it. I, I really hope it does, especially because. Group interviews are um, good in some instances, but also there are some times when you need to talk to a guy about something, and there's just no way that it's not going to feel like you're massively putting him on blast in a, right. in a gigantic you also interview. I mean,
0: more, more so for you than, than for me, but I mean, you, if you want to get a scoop or something, you know, have a, have a story that you're working on that you want to break something, how are you going to do it when you're everybody and everybody in the room has to hear your your questions and your answers, you know?
1: Right. How how did you, flashback uh, to a while ago, how did you, did you always want to work in radio? Like, was it something that when you were really little, you knew you wanted to do this?
0: Yeah, I, I think I was about eight years old, really, when I, I first heard Johnny Most uh, in my dad's car, you know, uh, driving around and heard, heard this johnny most uh, i am of courtside and uh, i thought this guy's this guy's pretty cool he's uh you know and i listened to him and and and, and back then uh, they had casey jones and there was a there was a tv show uh a, a railroad type show casey jones steven and a Roland you know that was the uh and that and I, I connected like at eight years old casey jones you know there's casey jones you know and he was a big part of the team and sam jones and Uh, I just became a fan then, and became a fan of Johnny Most, and I just decided then I wanted to, that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, luckily it worked out because when I was in high school uh, in Lawrence, Massachusetts, where I grew up, the high school was right down the street from the radio station that Kurt Gowdy owned, the famous sportscaster Kurt Gowdy. Uh, He owned that station, so they let me go in there and practice, and they put me on weekends in 1971. uh, Somebody got drafted that was back during the, the Vietnam was just kind of winding down and uh, I went on weekends. And then uh, that summer uh, they called me in and Kurt Gowdy said, uh, Stevie, uh, we're going to make you full time. I said, gee, thank you, Mr. Gowdy. That's great. I was 17, you know, I, and he said, uh, yeah, it's 110 a week at all the records you can steal. I said, "Oh, thank you, Mr. Gowdy. And he said, "And you get blue cross too? <laughs> and that's how it started. And then I, the first thing I did was I got a pass to go to the Celtics games because then I had a legitimate way yes. to get a pass. So I went every night for free. I worked up my courage to introduce myself to Johnny Most. And uh, uh, ultimately, he, he trusted me enough to you know, get his English Oval cigarettes. Those were the old the cigarettes with no filters or anything. And he smoked those during the game, one after another. Uh, and I would fill up oh, his boy. thermos with coffee at halftime. And uh, then eventually what happened was he, he lost his voice in the middle of a game. Uh, in 1976, and I had to take over because they didn't have any analysts or anything then. It was just an engineer, me and uh, Johnny, and that was it. And he said, "Now uh, Steve's going to uh, take over." I have a little voice problem, and he handed me the stick mic, and uh, off I went. It was a game. It was the Celtics against the Denver Nuggets. Stan Issel was playing, and Bobby Jones, those guys on that team. So that was a that was a hoot. Then I had to do a couple more weeks after that, uh, and then I got a job in Boston from that at the CBS station. Uh, and then the the guy that was my boss there came to Atlanta to start WGST, the All News Station. So uh, that's when I came to Atlanta, in 1980 of August, and uh, been here ever since. <laughs> they can't get rid of me.
1: No, we don't want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what is your what what is your to keep you doing the same thing? You know, over the years and stuff. What what's your favorite part of what you do? Because clearly you're passionate about it and obviously anyone can tell how much you love this. What, what's yeah, your favorite I part I love of
0: it? You every, I look forward to every game really. I honestly do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I will never take, uh, for granted to travel again. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we'll get yeah. in at two or three in the morning from one city to the next. i am never going to complain about that again. Uh, because you know, thank God we're traveling and, uh, I look forward to that. I love going to every different city. Uh, I'd love just walking around in all these cities uh, I have favorite restaurants that I've gone to over the last you know thirty years. So uh, you renew old friendships with those people uh, in the restaurants and the bars and places like that that you get to know. And uh, I just love the travel. i love I love Chicago's one of my favorite stops uh, and really everywhere. I, I enjoy going everywhere.
1: That's I, I actually one of my favorite it's funny you say that because one of my favorite parts of what I do, is um and i was someone who like i had really never been anywhere you know and obviously uh for the most part we travel domestically you know except for i guess toronto um but one of my favorite parts of getting to travel which sometimes it's it's a grind it's a grind for sure but i think one good part of it is i love going to a city and knowing my way around and having like places where you're like like regular spots like right, okay, right. I'm in. I'm like you said, I'm in Chicago, so I know I'm gonna go get coffee here. I know I'm gonna go get right. pizza here. Or yeah. okay, we're in we're in LA. I know I'm gonna go get this there. You know, and it's it's yeah. just exactly. I think that yeah. is that's it's special to be able to. Yeah, do Yeah, no, that. I
0: I love it. I just lo- I look forward to it. I mean, here we are in Milwaukee when we're recording this, and uh, because of the playoff series over the years, like well, my first playoff series in Milwaukee was. I think 87 maybe we played here Mm -hmm. and back in those days you know we flew commercial and because TBS was just getting into the NBA thing you know they were doing Hawks games then uh, we we played on Tuesday and Friday here in Milwaukee so we had Monday night off we had Wednesday night Thursday night you know so that was a I got to know Milwaukee pretty good then and you know here we were again last year so uh, you kind of know the whole area thing like you say.
1: Oh, yeah, there's a there's a coffee spot called Canary here. That's like a few blocks away from where I stay. I stay pretty close to the arena. And um I'm sure you know like Maria Martin from Eleven Alive. so there right. were there were a handful of us who um, were covering the eastern conference finals you know and of course you're going back and forth between milwaukee and atlanta but there were a few of us who would go there you know every morning and like we'd get work right. done there i might like if i have time i might go there before the game tonight like it's just it's just well, cool. it's yeah. just a cool thing it's just a cool thing yeah
0: no i, I have favorite spots too and uh, you know the hotels are they're all nice i mean we get to travel uh, on a charter flight you know we, we don't we don't have to fly commercial uh, anymore i'm like, jealous of like like we're that used to. i'm
1: jealous I'm not, a, no, I know, but I'm not still, on I the mean, charter.
0: You do get in at two in the morning sometimes, which I, you know, I guess you take yeah. the good with the bad on that. Like after the game in Milwaukee, we fly home, probably get home at because of the time change, probably two o'clock, two 30, you know, but then. Right. There's no heavy lifting involved at this job. So that's the best part of it.
1: <laughs> right. Gosh, Steve, I could talk to you all day long, but I got, I got a, um, I got to wrap up with a little bit more of a basketball question for you. Yes. um what do you what do you make of this season so far obviously it's been up and down and you know we we spent some time talking about last season and the Eastern Conference finals and this team is in tenth right now um you know yeah. we're recording this before that Milwaukee game on Wednesday but what, what do you make of this season
0: it's been a, it's it's been maybe the strangest season that I've Really, ever been a part of, and I thought I would never say that again after the wow. COVID year, uh, because this year, yeah. because of the the positive tests and all of the testing that we had to do for much of the season, uh, and there was that stretch where we had 12 guys out with COVID, you know, positive tests, and I mean, there were people out there running around that I had never heard of. I mean, not only not even our own G League guys; there were G League guys that, you know, they found on the street somewhere. Some of these guys that that played and. So that was weird. But the whole thing, to me, one of the things about this season where it never really got off the ground is that they played until July 3rd, short summer. Uh, Several guys had procedures, and they didn't play in the preseason. So it never really got a chance to get off the ground. And then I think what happened was, uh, because of every game in that playoffs, all the playoff games were so important, every game was do or die. It was right—you know, everything was like every game— the tension, everything. And then I think a week or so into the season, I think some of our guys looked around at each other and said, wait a minute, we've got another 77 of these to go before the playoffs start. So I think that that may have, you know, taken the focus a little bit away. And then one thing after another, then the COVID stuff and, uh, you know, the losing streak and then the winning streak. and, and, And they just can't, you know, like they've had, what, three or four chances to get to 500 and haven't been able to do it. So, But I do think, though, being the optimist that I am always about the Hawks, is that if they make it in, they can do some damage. Because it's the same team, basically, that was in the Eastern Finals last year. And they do have that experience now from being in that. And I think that's very important when the playoff time comes around. But the trick now in the last, what, 17, 18 games is you have to get in first before you can do any damage. So they need to... As, as Nate always says, you know, have to finish games. And they really haven't been – there have been so many games this year that they haven't been able to close out. Uh, you know, there might be ten games that, that could have gone either way. And, and they the, and the, and the ten that, you know, last year they probably would have won, they didn't win this year.
1: Right. I know I I definitely think that's going to be the key for sure for this team down this final yeah. stretch. Um, Steve – thank you so much for talking oh, with me sure. this was amazing like it's you can man you can tell you're a radio pro this is like a great yeah. episode
0: <laughs> yeah no I love it I, I could talk all day about about this stuff you know it's uh you know 30 37 seasons you get a lot of stories so I'm not gonna write a book though because oh. I still I, I still have a mortgage <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you again Steve I appreciate all it all right Sarah thank you Okay, so that was such a fun conversation with Steve. I know I really enjoyed it. I get to talk to him um, pretty often, but sometimes it's hard to find the time to really dig into, you know, all the stuff, all the cool stuff he's done over the years and seen over the years. So really grateful to Steve for coming on the show and taking the time to to talk with us about all that stuff. And um, I'm really glad you guys got to hear it too. And hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Um, I just think it's really awesome to think about his you know just longevity and what he's seen over the years and like he mentioned he's gonna keep keep plugging along at what he does and just really a fun conversation with him so thank you guys all for listening and we will see you monday on the hawks report from the atlanta journal constitution